than they that gladly receive the word. You know, there should be a joy with uh, belonging to Christ. Um, they were baptized, and the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. That's exciting. And they continued steadfastly. And so we see gladness. We see faithfulness. We see faithfulness. Um, it, a part of a healthy church is faithfulness. Faithfulness. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came. Part of a healthy church is purity. Purity. I fear the Lord. I fear doing things that displease him. I fear not doing those things that please him. I'm going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ one day. And I want to be ready. I want my church to be shining. Uh, this, this church matters to God. And what matters to God, I, I want that to matter to me. There's enough fear in my life that that concerns me. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles, and all that believed were together. There's unity again. And had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men as every man had need. There was generosity in this church. Generosity. Uh, it wasn't communism. Um, communism and socialism and, 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 and modern-day liberalism is, is when I'm generous with your wealth. That's modern-day liberalism. When I'm like, you know what, that person has a need. You, you know, arrest that man and take something from him and give it to that guy. Uh, no, this, this was when, uh, when the, 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 the church here was concerned for one another and uh, because of that, uh, help flowed from those that had to those who were in need. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple. Again, there's that unity. And breaking bread from house to house did eat meat with gladness and singleness. The opposite of that double-mindedness, right? The double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. We've known people that were double-minded and, and their life is full of instability. But here, there was a singleness of heart. Listen, this church is doing something, and I'm a part of it. There was singleness of heart. Praising God, verse 47. There was excitement about the Lord and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. That's a healthy church. My prayer since becoming the pastor here has been, Lord, help us, shape us into the church that you can really pour your blessing on. Lord, make us pure, because I know your power will follow purity. Lord, help us to be faithful, because I know fruitfulness will follow. And Lord, give us a, a precious unity. True, deep, heavenly care for Christ and for one another. Bible speaks about unity. Uh, you don't have to turn there, but over in Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come in the unity of the faith. 
and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now there in verse 12 it says for the perfecting of the saints. That word for and then the for in just a little bit for the work of the ministry and then for the edifying of the body of Christ. Those are different Greek words. Uh, the first one is pros and then the other two are ice. Um, for the perfecting of the saints, equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry. It's not good, Pastor. God gave us a pastor so he can do all the work of the ministry. No, the reason why God gave you a pastor is to, to do the work of uh, God working through him to perfect the saints and equip them to do the work of the ministry. And it didn't sound like this church up here in Acts chapter 2 minded the work of the ministry. They were excited about what was doing. So it didn't even seem like work to them. They jumped into it and they were a part of what God was doing for the work of the ministry. And then the second one, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So here it's not even saying it's the pastor's job to edify the body. And it is, but it's the body's job to edify the body. Pastor, his job is to equip the saints to edify the body. The body should be self-edifying. Just like uh, David could go and encourage himself in the Lord back when, uh, uh, when that problem, when they were uh, going after uh, Ziklag and all of that, the church should be able to, we should be able to come together and there should be a self-edifying coming together and there should be an encouragement till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God into a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Oh, that there might be a unity at Fairhaven Baptist Church, a purity of faithfulness, a gladness, a steadfastness, a singleness of heart, a praising for the Lord. Uh, a while ago, I, I read an article from Dr. Strauss in his BBC, the uh, Bible Baptist uh, Church update there, and, and he, had a, he had adopted and adapted an article that he got from one of our former students. Um, and so he, he got that article and he adopted and adapted it, and then I took Dr. Strauss's article and adopted it and adapted it for tonight. And it, what, what it had to do with where there are certain D's of decline, D's of decline, so I want to talk about that tonight, uh, some things to look out for in our lives. This happy, vibrant, steadfast, faithful church. Sometimes there's behaviors in the midst of a church that start the D's of decline, a spiraling downward. So tonight, let's ask the Holy Spirit to give us a report card. Isn't that what David kind of said there in Psalm 139? Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me. Oh God, would you give me a report card? Do I have any D's on my report card? And you know what if you do? You know, when my kids struggle, I'll, I'll say, hey, uh, you, you, want, you want mom and dad to see if there's a tutor that can help you? No, no, I promise I'll do better. No. It's like it's not the end of the world to get somebody just to help you. But you know, uh, if there's some D's on your report card, you know what the Holy Spirit would be glad to do? Help you get those grades up. He'd be glad to do it. Love to guide you into all truth. 
He wants to help us get those D's off our report card. The D's of decline. Let's pray, and then we'll look at this tonight. Lord, uh, we're excited about that church we saw in Acts chapter 2. And Lord, I, I, I pray, Lord, that if there's any of these D's of decline in, in our homes or in our hearts, uh, I, I pray you'd help us with those things. Holy Spirit, give us, give us each a report card tonight. How are we doing? Do we have any D's on there that you could help us with? Lord, help, help us with those D's before they become F's. We flunk out of something, Lord. Uh, help us to, to, to identify some of these things, Lord, and, and to have that singleness of heart. Lord, it's so easy to get distracted, to, to start to have our hearts over there, our, our minds over there, and, and forget what truly is important in this life. Help us tonight. Lord, work us over. Lord, give us, oh, don't... Don't pull any punches, Lord. We need to hear. Search us, O oh God, and know our hearts. Try us and know our thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in us, Lord, and lead us in that way everlasting. Meet with us tonight. I ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. So again, uh, you don't know what part I put in the article, right? You know, I got the article. And then I added some stuff. So you don't know what I added. So any parts you're mad at, it's from Dr. Strauss. And then anything that you really enjoyed, well, that was probably also Dr. Strauss. Anyway, okay. So some D's of decline. Boy, the pastor, he keeps his eye on the flock. He works with people. He prays over the people. He prays with and for the people, he begins to take note of certain behaviors that might betray potential problems. Uh, I've, uh, any pastor deals with disgruntled church members and he can't help but start to notice some things that go along with the destructive pattern in the church member's life Sometimes the decline is slow. Other times they're, they've stepped onto that slippery slope that doesn't take very long, right, to get down once you've stepped on there. And uh, hopefully, uh, you know, church, church discipline isn't supposed to be the thing at the very last minute. No, it's supposed to be stepping in, uh, hoping for restoration. Church discipline, Matthew 18, is, is not about elimination, it's about restoration. It's about stepping in with love and saying, listen, there, there's a destructive pattern in your life and, and I care about you. You're slipping down the hill and I don't want to see you in a mess at the bottom. Before that happens, won't, won't you listen? Let me, I care about you. Won't you listen? Won't you let me love you back to the place where you'll be happy? It can come to the point where there's really nothing else you can do. You think, no, yes, it comes to that unfortunate place. Paul seems to speak of it there in 1 Corinthians 5, 5, where he says, to deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. May the pastor and the fellow church members be able to step in with biblical discernment early. And may any of us that have some of those D's of decline in our life identify those things and 
I'll allow the Holy Spirit to help us with our report card. He'll, he'll sit down with you. And he won't even charge like the kids that help my, my children, those tutors that want money. Well, they, they, they earned every penny. Earned every penny. Thank you. Thank you for sitting down with my child and helping them with this subject or with that subject. Thank you. I'll gladly pay you. And, and, and it's not, it's, you're worth more than I'm giving you. Thank you. But the Holy Spirit, he'll sit down with you and he's way better than anybody that could sit down with you. And I'll do it for free. Oh, I'll take him up on it. Take him up on it. He'll help us get the grades up. All right, so my, my daughter asked me not to tell you how many D's I have because it would just be discouraging. So I'm not even going to tell you. All right, let's get going. All right, number one, uh, distractions. Distractions. Uh, church, uh, so we have, this, we have this church in Acts chapter 2. They're excited. There's singleness of heart. They're focused on what's important to him. But how easy is it for us to lose sight, to lose that singleness of heart? Boy, distractions start to slide into a church. Church becomes less of a priority. Uh, you know, maybe it's vacation time and, well, I can, I can head down on Sunday. I can head off to my vacation on Sunday and then I can vacation to the very last second on Saturday night. Then I can use Sunday to get back. After all, I mean, I can live stream. Oh, man. Well, if you can live stream, why come at all? Why come at all? Well, our, our mindset can be, man, worshiping God shouldn't get in the way of what I'm doing. And my Bible says that part of getting together with a church family, we, we know the verse so well, don't we? Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, let us consider one another to provoke to love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. Now, I'm glad for a live stream. Some cannot come. Some are too unhealthy. Some have work on some nights. Some have things they, they must do. The Bible places stress on not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. And you're going to have that where, man, that church over there, they don't, it's not that big a deal if they miss. Ah, I wish it wasn't like that over there. Get your eyes off over there. I want to faithfully tell you what God, I don't want to tell you what they're doing over there. I want to tell you what, what God is telling us out of his word. And he sees, and he, and he says, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. There's so many things we could be filling our time with that the things we should be filling our time with are set to the side. What about hobbies? We might have those hobbies that get in the way of what we're supposed to be doing. Now, praise the Lord, we have some faithful people here at Fairhaven. Sometimes I want to tell them, go home and work on your house. <laughs> They're so faithful. But there are others that, again, it's, it's a, well, God talked about it, didn't he, where the temple was lying waste, and oh, as soon as I take care of me and mine, I'll come in. He, he talked about that, didn't he? Haggai 1.4, is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste? 
God, the things of God on the back burner. Distractions could be those hobbies. Sports. Oh, we can be guilty at my house. You know, sometimes uh, uh, there's that delight. Oh, Dad, can I check the score? You know, you can imagine which of my children. Yes, it's Kate. <laughs> I say, oh, Dad, can I get your phone? Can, can I check on the... It's like, where was this fervency when you were getting up for family devotions? And where was this fervency? And again, we're all there. I'm not getting on my kids. We're all there. Ah. Sports, these things that we delight in. And it used to be that the things of God is what I delighted in. Where's the fervor when you pray over the needs of your bus route? Uh, maybe that overtime at work, money can be distracting. Or follow, follow the money, right? Uh, I was on the phone with somebody the other day and they were like, Pastor, uh, uh, there, there was somebody that was here a while back and had gone off. They said, they said you advised me to, to be where a good church was and then there was an opportunity there and I jumped on that opportunity. Thank you for, make, for advising me to be where there was a good church and then pursue an opportunity there. Not pursuing opportunities and hoping there might be a decent church nearby. Television can be a distraction, watching things. Uh, uh, Pastor Brennan, he was reviewing a, a book by Jim Crone, and, and Jim Crone said this, I don't have time to watch TV. Well, let's suppose some dream TV station came out that glorified godliness and had nothing but good family programming on it. The characters were moral, went to Baptist churches, And you see them, you know, there, there they are knocking doors. I still wouldn't watch very much because I'm too busy. In addition to the sin that people are exposed to, TV has become a weight that sucks up time and energy so that people don't serve the Lord. And of course, we have streaming now and all those things. And again, I, 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 I do, I enjoy watching something here and there. Something each one of us has, Lord, how much time am I putting into this? Why do I want to sit and watch somebody else pretend to live their life and not live mine, the one that God has given me to live? So Pastor Brennan made this comment on this comment. Um, occasionally, people ask me how I find the time to write. One part of the answer is I gave up sports. Oh, ouch. Too, you know, keep moving, keep moving. Radio talk shows, games on TV. Assume for a moment there was nothing wrong with anything that I was listening to or watching. I still have found myself much further ahead simply because I've added hours to my week of profitable time in my schedule. Ephesians 5 still tells us, redeem the time. The Bible still tells you and me, redeem the time. Don't live your life like you have plenty of time to waste. The Bible commands us, redeem the time. The days are evil. Friday, Pastor Hawkins. And again, it'll be there on, uh, on you can look it up at YouTube, Sermon Audio. He preached on urgency. Urgency. People are stepping off into a Christless hell. Tonight, so many hundreds will step into a Christless hell while we're sitting here. 
urgency, Lord. I want to be busy for you. Social media can be a distraction. Well, I was happy until... <laughs> well, I, I, I would help out there. It's just, how would I find time to keep up with the 10,000 people that I follow and my 10,000 other virtual friends that I have? Really, the Bible tells us not to compare ourselves among ourselves and social media. I, I, don't, I think that's like the definition of social media. Oftentimes, comparing ourselves among ourselves. Let's listen to the verses. 2 Corinthians 10, 12. For we dare not make ourselves the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. It's nice to, to, to see how somebody's doing. But we know that's not what many are doing. Well, I, I thought I had a good vacation until I saw that person's. I thought I had a nice house until I saw that person's. I thought I had a nice schedule until I saw that person's, etc., etc. Secondly, distractions can lead to double-mindedness. Double-mindedness, which introduces, what does the Bible say? An instability into our lives. The double-minded man, James 1.8. The double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Instability enters our life. We start to lose track of what really is important in this life. But it used to be, here, I can't wait to get to church. Here is where it's at. But something changes. We have FOMO. <laughs> we have that fear of missing out. What am I missing? Because I'm stuck at this church. This church, you kind of feel out of place if you're not doing something for God. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I think that's the way it should be. But when I am doing something for God, what am I missing out on? No real direction in life anymore. Floating downstream instead of putting forth the effort to go upstream. And again, that social media, it's out there where they, they don't put it exactly this way, but it comes across, uh, I'm not busy for the Lord anymore. And I've never been happier. Time for all the important things. And again, you got to be careful with all of that. Um, my mother would faithfully drag my sister and me out on soul winning on Saturdays. And there was a whole lot of kids that were sleeping in and then spending the rest of the day with television and video games. And if she would have let me, I just, uh, it's just cruel and unusual. I, I never had a childhood. I wasn't allowed to have a childhood like other kids. Yeah, someday when I get to heaven, that's the first complaint I'm going to make to the Lord. I never had my Saturdays growing up because mom dragged me out on ministries. That's going to fly, won't it? Joshua 24, 15, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Don't be double-minded. Don't 
Keep that singleness of heart. They were excited about their church, and God was excited about them and was adding souls. My children, I want them to train to be soldiers of the cross. I think God says, 2 Timothy 2, 4, no man that warreth and tangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Parents, are you praying that prayer? Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers. God, your, your harvest, that will help us not to be double-minded. Lord, your harvest. God told me to beg him for laborers, and I've got three in my house. God, please, your harvest, it's white, and if, and if people don't go, it will rot on the vine. Lord, please help me to be doing more about it. Call my son, use my daughters. Oh, Lord, help my home not to be double-minded. Oh, you can have peace in your house. There's two ways to have peace in your house. One, don't ever press your kids' buttons. Don't fight them on anything. There's a second better way to have your home in loving biblical subjection where you can say, listen, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Distraction can lead to double-mindedness and then double-mindedness leads to doubt, doesn't it? Leads to doubt. Boy, at church, they're always telling me what I can and can't do. Boy, Eve, Eve had the devil talking to her and she had her, Eve was double-minded, wasn't she? She had trees down there she was interested in, but, but also this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I have, I have multiple interests. My heart just goes several directions. That's dangerous when your heart is going several directions. And when, her, when there was that curious about the curiosity about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the devil began speaking to her, and her question became, why can't I? Why can't I eat the fruit from that tree? I think God is keeping things from me. Doubt sets in. Now pretend for a moment that you've never, how many of you have had poison ivy? That's a lot of hands. How many, okay, I'll ask the next question in a minute. So imagine for a moment you never had poison ivy. Imagine, and you, and you don't know anything about it. And you come across somebody and there they are, like, oh, 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 you're like, what is going on? You're like, oh, I've never enjoyed my arm this much. This is marvelous. You have got to, oh, you've got to try this. And you're like, what is it? It's like, oh, I'm just uh, sheer joy and pleasure. How do I have sheer joy and pleasure? There's a patch of leaves over there. You just roll. <laughs> Back and forth. 
through the patch and you too can experience joy in this life like you've never known before. Okay. No, wait, 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 wait. Before you go, let me just warn you. There are people that will tell you that it's not good to roll in that patch of leaves over there. Yeah? It's like, for real? Yeah. Yeah, there are people that would tell you that that's not the best thing. They, they want to keep you from what I have. <laughs> You're like, for real? That, just like, there, there's the devil. Because of his pride, he was booted. And there he is. It's like, oh, you, I, I doubted God. I was full of pride. Why don't you doubt him too? Why don't you be like me? Doubt. Imagine thinking, yeah, that, that, sounds like, that sounds like my parents. That sounds like my pastor. That sounds, yeah, that sounds like them, just like Eve. That didn't sound like God at all, but she decided, yep. It's, it seems like he'd be that type to keep me from wonderful things. I'm going to try this fruit. So, I had a lot of hands of people that had poison ivy. How many of you gave in and scratched it? And it felt really good. But, and again, we would all say it felt really good. But how many of you right now would say, oh, the joy was worth right now finding a poison ivy patch to go roll in? The joy, if, if, honestly, if I knew there was a patch out there, I wouldn't be sitting here. I would be rolling in it because of the joy that it brought me. How many hands? There are people that have had the poison ivy and they enjoy being healthy much more. And they'll say, listen, there are patches in this life to avoid. There are people that, that they'll, oh, this is, you don't know what you're missing. There are people that do know what you're missing out on. And it's best if you miss out on the poison ivy patches of this life. God has real joy that doesn't leave you scarred. But everything the devil has to offer leaves you scarred and damaged. And there's always somebody there that will say, you don't know what you're missing out on. And by the way, I don't have to experience everything to warn either, right? If there's a dog chained up over there and I just watched it bite somebody, I don't have to go over there and get bitten before they have, I have the authority to tell a kid, don't go over there. I've seen some things. I haven't experienced everything, but I've seen some things. Please listen to my warning. But when distraction comes, double-mindedness sets in, and there's that instability that comes along with it, and then doubt comes along, and you think, yeah, they can talk, a pastor can talk a good talk. The principal, my teachers, they talk a good talk. My parents, my grandparents, they talk a good talk. But what do they know? They're just trying, yeah, they're trying to keep you from something. The poison ivy patches of life. Doubt. By the way, there will always be parts of the picture you don't have. And you will fill in those parts depending on where you are with the trust in your life. 
If there's doubt, you'll let, yep. The parts you don't have any idea about, you fill them in, yep. Yeah, they're just, and you don't even know what you're talking about, but you've filled in the parts of the picture you don't even have with all sorts of doubt, and, and they're, they're not out for my best. But if there's trust, the parts of the picture you don't have, you'll fill in and say, I, I don't have to know everything. I trust my mom and my dad. I trust what God is doing with the leadership in my life. Doubt begins to give way to drudgery. Drudgery. Uh, the demands of your church are so burdensome. And, and we don't have demands. <laughs> We're just, we've covenanted together to honor God and to serve him. But it can sure seem like, yeah, that place. It, it changed somewhere where here, here we, uh, here we, the Lord has blessed us. Here we get to, and you have, you have visiting people for empowered youth that will say, wow, wow, the blessings you guys get to enjoy. Wow. Oh, if you only knew. If you only knew. Here we have to. The church in Acts chapter 2 is here we get to, here we get to, God's blessed us and we have opportunities to serve. Dr. Vogelin, often as he, as he prays before orchestra, will say, Lord, thank you. Thank you. Not, oh, here we are. A lot of people aren't here practicing. We're putting in this extra time, but it's, uh, you, got, you, you do what you got it. No, Lord, thank you for the opportunities we have to serve you and the talents you've given us to use for your honor and glory. And yes, they're getting up from their nap a little bit early, if there even was a nap, but they're coming together. Thank you. But if there's the spirit of drudgery, so quickly it becomes, here we have to, here we have to dress a certain way. This isn't a prison. (laughs) But if you're going to serve God here, you need to look like you belong to him. And that's, again, that's mind-blowing to so many people in other churches. But it's really simple. If you're going to stand up in front of people and tell them that God matters to you, you should look like God matters to you. God cares about modesty and distinction. Girls, God cares. Keep those clothes... Clothes long and loose and flowing and lovely. Look like you're glad you belong to him. Not you're dying to belong to someone, anyone. How you dress says one or the other. Guys out there, they want to be in these tight pants look like they're wearing tights. It's not modest. I... Or, or hair that, that looks like maybe you, you want to be mistaken for someone that belongs to a South Korean boy band. You want to be mistaken. Hey, do you? know I don't sing with them. I just look like I do. Wouldn't it be better if people mistook you? Hey, I, I can tell. Are, you, you go to Ferry Evan Baptist Church? Drudgery. There, they, 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 they're required to go soul winning. 
my Bible says that he that winneth souls is wise. Proverbs 11.30. He that winneth souls is wise. Amen. But drudgery moves in. Drudgery moves in. And every little thing becomes so difficult. When there's love, every difficult thing becomes easy, doesn't it? We remember Jacob there in Genesis 29, 20. Jacob served seven years for Rachel. And they seemed unto him but a few days for the love he had to her. It seemed to him but a few days. He loved her and the work didn't seem hard at all. Drudgery, and then pretty soon there's disagreements. Disagreements. Church members whose hearts are facing all sorts of different directions, where there should be a singleness of heart, where everyone's heart is aimed at the Lord Jesus together, a singleness of heart, a unity of heart, but boy, pretty soon there's the disagreements. There's fighting with each other. I, I remember pastors that would talk about how the church would, would split over the color of the carpet that they were going to put in. Or they have this compromise, you know, this half of the church is one color of carpet and this half of the church is this other color of carpet and never the twain shall meet. But the, the dress code, it's too strict or it's not strict enough. The other parents, ah, they're too loose on their kids or they're not gracious enough. The music is too boring or too lively. The pastor's too hard or he's just not hard enough. The Christian school is too demanding or not serious enough. And again, you, you think I'm joking, but I'm not. Disagreements begin to set in and we have a fighting church. Not fighting fundamentalists, not fighting for things, but fighting against one another. Sometimes couples will have their heart set on divorce. And you find that the very things that they used to just love about each other are the very same things that are driving them crazy about the other person. I was crazy in love with you and now I'm just, you're driving me crazy, can't stand you. And you find that when that heart slips off, when that heart slips away, oh, it's so hard. They, they only see negative. There's nothing positive to see. There's nothing positive to see. I, I, I pick judges for empowered youth. And when I sit down with the judges, I'll say, listen, <laughs> some people can't hear anything right with a musical selection. Some people can't hear anything wrong with a musical selection. <laughs> You're in the middle. I need you to be able to enjoy the piece and still give some construct, uh, constructive criticism. Not, yeah, there was nothing good about that. Nothing good the entire day. There will be people whose hearts are, are somewhere else to the point where there's nothing good about this church. Some, and again, I'm not talking about everyone who's left. <laughs> now keep an eye on the armacos. You know, they're slipping away and... 
Uh, there's, still, there's still time. So I'm not talking about everyone, but I, but I am talking about the deeds of decline that churches all over the world have seen for years and years and years and years and years and years. Some have slipped away, and, and they've asked me, others have asked me, did you try to find out what their issue was and try to help them through it? Yes. But it was so clear that their issue was only a symptom of their real problem. Their heart was somewhere else. They had no intention of letting go of their issue or, being, or allowing uh, them to be helped with their issue. And even if I could pry it from their hands, there would be instantly another issue there. Disagreements. Then comes the distancing. The distancing. Really, the people I enjoy most are the people outside this church. Those who love this place and I don't really have much in common. Well, let that sink in. I'm more in tune with the people who feel sorry for me that I'm here. I relish their pity while a part of me wishes I had their life. I don't really spend time with people who are enjoying the Lord here, and I'm pretty sure it's their fault for, not, for me not spending time with them if they were just friendlier. And we can all stand to be friendlier, church. We really can. Something we can continue to work on. Backing out of ministries. Often... We've heard this for years and years and years. By the time somebody slips entirely away, there isn't much left to cover. Boy, this hurts when I heard it. Like, Ouch. I heard a pastor once say, if your presence here doesn't really make much of a difference in someone's life, possibly neither does your absence. Are you being used of the Lord in this place? The distancing I was gone and nobody noticed. Bad church. <laughs> and let's try to do better about noticing when somebody's sick and they're not here. Ask the Lord to help you with that. But the distancing. Then there's the disappearance. Boy, they slip in and instantly, I think maybe during the closing prayer, they're driving away in their car. Where did they go? They're getting to what's important to them. But again, church is important to God. It should be important to us as well. Well, it would be if this church was any good. Ephesians 5.25 reminds us, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Can we follow Christ's pattern and make what's important to him important to us? You might have heard this before, but I think it's kind of humorous. Uh, uh, I, I got this off, a, um, off the internet. Ten reasons why I, as a pastor, decided to quit attending sporting events. 
So no more sporting events. You know, I'm swearing them off. But here's why. The coach never came to visit me. I'm done. Every time I went, they asked for money. Done. The people in my row didn't seem very friendly. I'm, I'm, I'm done with sporting events. The seats were hard. The band was too loud. The weather was rough. The referees made decisions that I didn't agree with. I'm done with sporting events. I found myself sitting with hypocrites. They came only to see what other people were wearing. Some games even went into overtime, and I got home later than I wanted to. Done sporting events. Often the games were scheduled on the only days that I like to sleep in and run errands. Done. My parents took me to games when I was growing up, and I don't want to make the same mistake. I want them to make decisions for themselves. I read a book on sports, and now I know more than the coaches do. Why would I go anyway? Disappearance. And then comes departure. Departure. Missing the uh, services, forsaking the assembly, only coming here and there, start to do a bit of church hopping or church shopping. We, we want to find a church that meets our needs better. And you know it meets our wants better. We want a church here that's Christ-centered. And a lot of churches out there are, are seeker-centric. They're built around the comfort of the person going. What do you want as opposed to what does he want? So many want an Aaron that will let them have their golden calves and worship whoever they choose rather than a Moses who will grind the calf into powder and mix it with water, mix it with water and make them drink it when the time calls for it. And then there's the defamation. There's the, a lot of people become hypercritical. Well, the pastor has these problems, the members of the church, they're all hypocritical legalists. The, credit, the criticism begins to be being spread. Now the folks in this spiral, they start talking about, well, there were, just, there were problems. I, I just had to get away. I had to take the moral high ground. And the only way was to find this weaker church and become a part of it. Uh, there was a, a pastor a while ago uh, that was talking with me, and, and he, he, he's trying to encourage a pastor nearby to, to have stronger stands and, you know, to, to you know, try to, he, he's a newer pastor. The, the church needs to be stronger in many ways, and so he's trying to encourage him and help him, and uh, they, they have this kind of a friendship <laughs> where he can say, hey, why do my disgruntled church members end up at your church? And your disgruntled church members never end up at mine. And the guy was like, I don't think I like where this is going. <laughs> Pretty soon there's the Lindberger syndrome. 
the Lindberger cheese, right? You, you picture the guy with the mustache that has a bit of that stinky cheese stuck in the mustache. He doesn't realize that he's carrying around the stink with him. He goes into this room and says, something in here stinks. You ought to do something about it. And he goes into another room. No, ah, something in here stinks too. You ought to do something about it. And nobody wants to tell him he's got some cheese stuck in his mustache. Some stanky cheese. Everything stinks everywhere. Bitterness begins to set in. Spreading criticism to everyone in the church um, who will listen with hushed tones or on social media. And then disaster. Last one. We're at the last one. Disaster. And by the way, I, I, I mean this. I, I don't hope for disaster so that I have more sermon illustrations. I really don't. Their home descends into a mess and there is great loss at the judgment seat of Christ. Before church discipline can even have its effect or be carried to fruition, often they're, they're gone long before that. By the way, church, I... I make no apology for challenging you to live like God matters. And if you live like God matters, that means living a life that is set apart to him. So, Holy Spirit, give us our report card. Any D's on there? Before they become F's, he can help us with it. He's a wonderful tutor. He'll spend all the time you need. He'll help you get the grades up. If you'll let him. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers and fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles and all they that believed were together and had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods and parted to all men as every man had need. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. O oh Lord, Help us with our report card.